Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Documentation Not Included, tech industry podcast presented by DNI Stream, the live knowledge repository for software professionals. <laughs> it sounds so weird when I say it. I keep trying to do it different ways, but oh well. It's Thursday at 7 p.m. GMT. We're live on twitch.tv slash DNI Stream. I'm Josie Howarth, and as always, I am joined by my Better than your so-called god, Chris Seabach. What the hell? Did you not read the script? <laughs> you know why I didn't read the script? Because I just got out of a meeting not too long ago. So I didn't read it. But you know what? You're perfect in every possible way, Chris. So it's fitting. And omnipotent and om- omnipresent as well. Omnipresent and omnipotent. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so yes, thank you very much, Josie. Thank you to everybody. Off- oh, hello rather, to everybody in chat. Not thanks yet. Thanks after the show. Um, <laughs> well, no, thanks. For showing Thanks up for early. showing up, of course. Yes. On time. And, and yeah, wow. it's wonderful. And sorry, sorry to, we've already had some people complain in chat that we weren't here last week. We, uh, unfortunately, I had I had a, a bereavement and Josie was very, very busy, so we, we couldn't do the show last week. So sorry about that. But um, yes, please do get involved with the show. It is live. We do respond to comments, so we will get you, uh, get you involved if you uh, ask something or say something. Yeah. So, before we get going, as always, it is time for our icebreaker question, which generally has nothing to do with anything to do with what we talk about. It's just sort of a way to have a bit of fun and get to know each other better. So, for you who are listening in the chat, and those of you in the future, and Chris, who is here now, here is my question for you. What sport would be improved if alcohol was forced on the players? Right. <laughs> Whenever I'm taking the mick out of sports, it's always football because I I just despise football. I'm not. I'm really not a big a big fan at all. A, a little fan. Okay, I, any, I have to. I have fan. to. As an American, I have to go. He means soccer. Proper right, football. Right, yes. Right. Real football, not not <laughs> fake pansy football that you get in America. Pansy football. <laughs> wow, them fighting words. Just, wait, just waiting for a reaction there. Um, a bet. Uh, well, sorry, see, a, that's a the thing. That I'm not be, a fan of it. Sport that would be what that would improved be if better you had alcohol. improved if alcohol was forced on the players. Yeah. Well, I think it would be something like um, I'm going to go with something. Oh, I was going to say darts, but they all drink anyway, don't they? Then maybe they, they're not well, allowed to officially now. Well, see, that's the thing. Back in the day, and this is something I learned because when I moved over here, I got slightly obsessed with darts and poker. Um, but uh, they used to get paid per beer they drunk because they were drinking a particular type of beer or per cigarette they smoked or something like that because they were advertising the people who supported them yeah so to me when i started watching um darts it was kind of already included alcohol for me i think it would have to be something a little bit more cerebral so perhaps chess is that a sport it is is it officially it is. a sport in the, the oh law? come on Oh, it's a game. It's a game. That doesn't make it a sport. To me, it does. does. It? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think the the definition of sport is something like something that you play competitively that is, you know, that has two sides or something like that. I can't remember the exact definition. But... You've just described no, chat. Just saying that then, yeah, okay, that maybe is the case. I think for uh, darts was a bad example. I think for me, it'd be something, something like... Um, I had a good one a minute ago. It's gone. Because I'm reading chat and people are saying um, yes. drunk spear throwing. Chess is Olympic. Olympic? The chess Olympics? Wow. I didn't know that. Medal in chess. We were just talking about chess just before the show, actually, Josie and I. Yes. Um, and then Volstrat has said, uh, what sport wouldn't be improved? <laughs> Faradell says fencing. Fencing, <laughs> On yes. guard. <laughs> I mean, I'd say, I, I'm, again, I'm not a particular fan, but something like golf. Because it'd make it a little bit more interesting, you know. Anything that in, it requires precision. Ooh, something. Well, snooker and Ooh, snooker. Drunk Formula One racing. No, that's dangerous. Don't drink and drive. But it's. Not, I don't think it's illegal, because you're in a private track. It's only illegal to dr- to drink. I- I still would not want to risk my life. I mean, at least but if you can drunk playing chess, the most you're going to do is potentially, I don't know, swallow one of the pieces Formula. or drunk and punch a person. You just use the terms, I don't want to risk my life, and then combine it with Formula One. That's what they do. That's, that's the, the remit. It's, but the- 
But see, they do it with sharp senses. You don't do, you don't drink and drink and drive is bad, okay? <laughs> so, uh, Exigeti, I think that's the, the right way to pronounce it. Exigeti46 has said drunk StarCraft 2, so esports maybe, if they forced it, it on the players. See, it would be interesting to see because I know some players in MMOs who seem to get better when they drink. I'd love to see their APMs in comparison. So it would have to be tested. And I'm sure there's, you know, actual esports people out there that could give us a baseline in comparison based on how much they've actually drunk or not. So mm-hmm. I think there's um, there's a there's a level, isn't there, with with not sport not physical sports, but gaming that that there's a there's a nice level when you when I play an FPS where I'm brilliant when I've had a few drinks, like a, a beer or two. You relax enough to not be so uh, uh, uptight, yeah, and I'm, I'm, which can actually cause issues with stuff. Yeah, I've got a friend who's a very, very good FPS player. Not competitive, but you know, very, very good. He used to play in my clan years ago, and he's the same. He, you know, whenever we have a LAN party or anything, he'll he'll have a few drinks and he'll be like, "Oh, I'm, I'm getting into this now," and he'll be. Honestly, his frag counts will fly up. He'll be out of, you know, he'll, he'll be absolutely destroying us all. And then a few drinks later, he'll be at the bottom of the leaderboard constantly because he's just way too gone to, to take uh, take it. Oh, I'm sorry, I got distracted by chat. Feridal says I've done drunk elite dangerous insurance got involved. Please don't fly <laughs> spaceships while drunk. Oh my gosh. And we had uh, the shock say, or sorry, Exegeti say, I don't know if the MMOs are hitting 200 APM, are they? I think it depends on your GCD, um, to be perfectly honest. But, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> so I think these terms came in after I stopped playing MMOs because I'm not sure what either APM or GCD Actions is. Actions per minute. Action. So it's the kind it's it's like how fast have you have you never watched like the StarCraft things where they actually show how many buttons and how fast they're pressing the buttons and all the other stuff that goes with it? APMs and stuff like that? No, I haven't because I just don't I'm not into esports. I like it. I love games. I'm just not into esports. I don't really like I don't really like being competitive when I play games. Oh, and yeah, G C D equals global cooldown. Thank you, Exegeti. Right, well done, because I have no idea. I mean, I'm so old these days. I was originally... I'm older I was, than you! I was, <laughs> I was a, um, a, a eSports player back when it was, when all these things didn't exist and when it was cool to just kill people and, and win the thousand-pound bounty prize or something when it isn't millions of pounds involved and or dollars or whatever they call it. See, I got... I got into a competition and, you know, I was involved back in the day when women still weren't really looked at like players. And um, I went with a whole bunch of people who were in my university at the time together. And we did a Counter-Strike tournament at a local LAN overnight at a, uh, a computer shop with pizza and all the other good stuff that goes with it. And I ended up in a match where the rest of my team died. I was the only one left and I just got shot, shot, shot because they all decided to run in dust too, of all things, down the same freaking alley right into, I was just like, crosshair boom, 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 boom. And oh my gosh, the shock of people, it just went silent and they're just like, and I went yay! Like that was my entire reaction and it was just like so weird. Yeah, remember the days. (laughs) People used to get very, very, very upset when they lost at computer games, and I used to get very upset when we lost clan games back in the day um, because there was a Hmm. lot riding on it. You know, I never did that. I I never. I I guess so. I, I. the thing is, I was a part of um, a group when I came back, when I moved over to the United Kingdom. I, I was a part of a group known as the PNL, the Pot Noodle Losers. <laughs> Sorry, Pot Noodle Lamers. Well, losers and lamers, we, we could never really figure out what we wanted to be. But thank you to my husband for reminding me. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> had lots of fun, fun times. Anyway, should we get on to the, uh, the subject, the more serious thing that's probably going to make chat shut up entirely because it's not as fun as our icebreaker questions normally. Oh, but, but see, it can be fun. The moment you apply some level of excitement to a topic, you can learn it, right? Bullstrats just said, so what's the topic again? <laughs> APMs, GCDs, OGCDs. We'll do a, oh, we'll do a, um, a side podcast and we'll just talk about games because I miss my gaming I podcast. That. I really I do miss too. my gaming podcast. Oh my gosh. But see, that's the thing. I met you through doing a podcast about gaming because I was involved in game journalism. I miss that. We really should look at it. Just something we do like maybe once a month or something or once a quarter. DNI, <laughs> the something needs a call on. <laughs> right. Anyway, so today's show is a continuation of a few weeks ago, um, the last time we did a podcast, which um, is 
it, it's called More Scrum to Come because Volstrat in chat uh, came up with it during the show because we said we were, we're going to yeah. have to do another show. Um, and it was good. It's, it's great. Perfect title. So we've stolen that off him. Um, we're not paying you any royalties. If we make a million pounds off this episode, it's not. Uh, it's all ours. <laughs> Um, but yes, anyway. So thank you, thank you very much, Voltrap. Much appreciated. Well, if nothing else, if nothing else, we'll ensure that you at least have a very good computer chair. Yes, indeed. indeed. Um, oh come on! What we have to be nice. Well, maybe if you're lucky, we might give. We'll give you. Um, we'll give you a free something we've got free from one of our sponsors. Maybe. Oh, I know a can of air. A can of. I've got a can. You I've couldn't go wrong. Four with cans that. of air over there. Fresh air, just a can of fresh air. Well, it's, it's not that I'm fresh. Good. It's been in the can for years. So, anyway, wow. right. So let's move on. It let's move on. So, so yeah, anyway, yeah, Josie, yeah. last time we talked about Scrum. So Scrum is yes. a framework we use in the software development world. To well, not just software development, but generally we are software developers. So we, or I am at least, anyway, and uh, we generally, <laughs> and we we tend to use Scrum to as a framework to organize ourselves and organize teams. So last time we defined what Scrum was, we're not yeah. going to do that again today because um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we've already talked about our icebreaker for about half an hour. So we, we haven't got time anyway. And um, But we, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the pros and cons of it and maybe clear up any things that were unclear last time. So I'm going to ask you, Josie, is there anything that is unclear from last uh, week's episode that you you don't feel you understood or you don't feel that you got? Or is anybody in chat that has any kind of you know questions about what we were talking about? Well, no, not necessarily. For me, it was understanding the the definition in terms of the roles. I mean, you see them tossed around Scrum Master. What? What's a ceremony, huh? What's the purpose of a role? What the heck is Agile in relation to Scrum? Like, how does this all kind of fit together? Like, having the ability for you to go over, for example, the Agile Manifesto and how Scrum sort of fits in with everything it made sense. I mean, you actually spoke in a language that I was able to completely and utterly understand you, which is normal, but I don't always understand everything that people say because sometimes I can be slow. So for me, I feel very comfortable, at least with what I would consider a foundation, um, the ability to understand. Now, obviously, I think anyone who might be getting involved in Scrum might be a little, I'd say, nervous about being involved in something that they don't know very well. Like, for example, if you are a team that is decided, we're going to try Scrum, and nobody has experience with Scrum, you know, that can be daunting, et cetera. But then again, taking on anything new is daunting. If you just embrace things to the best of your ability or hire a consultant who is good at it to come in and at least help explain things, that's an option too. I mean, Chris is for hire. I am. <laughs> uh, and that's what I'm do- that's one of the things I'm doing at the moment as well for one of my clients. Yeah, is, it is. Is, is essentially, as I said the, the last week, a scrum master is really, if you look at it in a cri- with a critical eye, regardless of all the definitions that are out there um, for a scrum master or the, even the official definition, a scrum master is a trainer. It is the person in the team who keeps people on track with the framework. And I mean, that's what I, I'm, I'm acting as a scrum master. But I'm also acting as a consultant, like an outside consultant that's specifically coming in to not just align the team and get the team kind of working efficiently together using this new framework, but also lots of other things I'm doing as well to do with code and architecture and things like that. But yes, the Scrum Master is, is, they're not necessarily a key player because my role as a Scrum Master is actually quite minimal. I don't do much as a Scrum Master. I... Um, this servant leader that kind Lazy. of push, put no 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 not having that not having that I'm someone who oh, who, man. who basically enables everybody and makes them um ad- not not I don't make them adhere to something but I help them understand why it's important to do things a certain way and help them understand and kind of wheedle things out of people and make people real like make people think that they've come to the realization that that this is the right way to do it if you know what I mean so I'm a manipulator as well in a way but I I do that I lead by enabling other people and by serving the entire team 
by making people and, yeah. and one of the definitions of a scrum master is somebody who is a servant leader who serves everybody in the team, the developers and the product owner, because remember there's only the three roles that exist, and um, and leads them by enabling them, by making them understand what the framework is and evangelizing the ceremonies and evangelizing the Agile Manifesto and trying to keep people on track. And we do lose track every now and again, people who are scrum masters, in fact, people in the team. Well, Co- go on. Send a couple of sprints ago. I, I was going to say that that's, Oh, well, no. Go ahead. <laughs> I think there's a, a delay. Sorry, Josie. Um, I think that's probably what's going on. Uh, yeah, there does seem to be a, a small delay. Um, hopefully that'll rectify Sad itself. Face. If not, we shall do a, a refresh of the of the browser and uh, figure that out. Anyway, um, so a couple of sprints ago, our uh, the Scrum team that I'm I'm enabling at the moment, they the 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 sprint planning. No, the other one, the Scrum, uh, the morning Scrum started to extend a little bit further for about three days in you a row. You mentioned this. It started, instead of it being 15 minutes, it became 20 minutes. Then it became 26, mm. 27, 20, 29, 30 minutes. And it's like, although they're just minutes, it's like we, we have to focus on what you're talking about during those meetings. It's not just about r- robotically outputting, I did this yesterday, I'm doing this today, I've got these blockers. It's about discussing those blockers. Key. The key thing is understanding what you are, what you can do to enable people. In today's meeting, for example, um, I identified very quickly, and this is usually the product owner that does this kind of thing, but the Scrum Master can enable this and help this. I identified that there was a ticket. Tomorrow is our finish, our sprint finish, and I identified there's a ticket that mm-hmm. was on somebody's um, on somebody's plate, and they didn't have time to do it, but somebody else had free capacity. So the cross-functional part of the team comes in there. And I said, actually, Jeff, can you do this? Because Sarah's not got enough time. And it neg- we negotiated and figured out how we could get it done. It turns out that nobody had enough time because this whole sprint has been a bit of a nightmare. But those, that happens occasionally. So the the focus is, is trying to get to that goal together, you see. Well, see, that's, I think, one of the beautiful things about Agile in general is the fact that you can have those momentary pitfalls and then recover because you are doing a repetitive thing in a very short time frame. So like, you know, you do have the ability to do a reevaluation to, to sit there and go, okay, this needs to be fixed or, you know, we need to actually do a little bit of a, a, a modification in how we're distributing points. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. you guessed how you want to actually gauge that wrong. But it's that's the thing. It's meant to allow you to have flexibility. I mean, this, this is what I've gotten from you. Now, we did have a good question come in from Exegit, uh, who oh. says, what's the minimum team size to apply Scrum to? Two people. Because that's a team. As soon as you have more than one person and you've got a lot of work to do, and you want to work in a collaborative way, Scrum can apply. Now, I tend to work in teams. It's more about the maximum size more than anything. You can't do Scrum on your own because what's the point? You know, you can use <laughs> you can use the tools that, that Scrum provide. You can use your Kanban boards and you can use your burn-down charts to see you can how, and, yeah. to figure out your velocity and figure out. But all of that kind of stuff is cross-functional. I mean, we can use that in lots of different... We can use that in Lean. We can use that in uh, Kanban. We can use that in Waterfall if we really want to, in in a, in a sense, because we still need to split our tasks down and figure out what we need to do. Um, but the minimum, the absolute minimum team that you, can use, that you can have is two. I probably wouldn't do it with less than, I don't know, three, maybe four people, but generally five to six people is a good team size any more than that i think i've seen teams up to 10 and i think it gets a bit unwieldy you can't really fit the the I don't productive think you can have a good daily scrum in there exactly and i, I mean the be- more people involved the greater your capacity for the week for the two weeks or whatever and the more work you've got to do and the longer your sprint planning meetings and the more conversations you're going to have and the more derailing you're going to have so small team sizes is generally better um, but too small and it's it's diminishing returns Right. And Voltcrack adds, no idea if there is any room for this question in this episode, but as an advocate of Scrum, 
comparing it, would you say there are any significant shortcomings compared to traditional or other agile approaches? Also, can you think of situations where you would advise against an agile approach like Scrum? And it's interesting that you say that because one of the things that we do want to discuss in this episode are things like pros, cons, benefits, drawbacks, etc. So you have hit on one of the key things we want to bring up. Full chat. So, okay. Well done. And continuing on so with that. There was a few questions there. Um, oh. There was a few questions that Volstra asked in one sentence, so I just wanted to, to be clear about them. So first of all okay. is we want – what's the – are there any shortcomings of Scrum or, or any other Agile thing based on, you know, things like traditional waterfall approaches, I assume um, he's referring to? And also, can you think of situations that would advise against Agile approaches, approaches like Scrum? Okay, right. Okay. Just wanted to get my head around what the two questions were because there's a lot of text there. Mm-hmm, and then there was mm-hmm, somebody mm-hmm. else has asked a question, which is Exegate. Exegate. Yep. Exegate. Who's continued on with the question about the minimum team size, saying with two, one of them would be the Scrum Master. So you're down to one again. And mm, I yeah. think it's something you might want to do, Exegate, if you get a moment. Uh, unfortunately, it's not up because we've been really busy and I totally, you know, take the slack for this because it's usually on me to get the episodes back up on Spotify, Apple and all the other stuff. They will be up on Monday, or at least the first episode of our conversation about Scrum, where we actually talk about how the Scrum Master works yeah we, we define the roles and we define the process more than anything which so, can very easily be one person i mean you don't spend your entire time as scrum master walking around with like a whip going scrum scrum no. well you do in Although, some situations i was about to say you know I, I take that back there can be moments for that as well um but we can give you a quick answer roughly if you want to just very briefly like very very quickly because i'm about to sneeze just to find the <coughs> scrum master bro so uh with two of them one would be the scrum master so down to one again that's the thing that we're answering here no because the scrum master is a role but the scrum master can also be normally not the product owner as well but also they can also be a developer uh, which is part of the development team. So the Scrum Master is a role. It's a hat that somebody puts on to enable the rest of the team, to help them along, to lead them in a way that is helpful to them, to to make sure that people hit the goals, to make sure that everybody's attending ceremonies and that kind of thing. It's not cracking the whip in any way, shape, or form. It's it's almost like making people excited for it and making them understand why we do it this way and showing that this is productive. So I'm the scrum master, but I'm also a senior developer and doing a lot of work in the project, writing a lot of code and also mentoring people and helping with architecture and helping with stat or, or you know various other bits and bobs for the project. So I'm not just limited to one. Now, officially, you can have two like you could you meet need a minimum of two people because you you wouldn't Collab- you wouldn't need to have a framework that's based on collaboration if you've only got one person because you've got nobody to collaborate with. So you could have a product owner as one developer. Uh, you're still muted, by the way, Josie, if you uh, are trying to I talk. was just saying the voices in my mind would be fantastic to work in collaboration. Yes, indeed. So, you know, that could work. So you could have one. De- you could have two developers on the team or just <clears throat> one developer on the team if you really are mad. I mean, that's a bit daft, but... Um, you can have one pro- uh, product owner who's a developer, and also one um, scrum master who's the de- who's also a developer. So you could have two development team members and a scrum master and a product owner. Really, I mean, it's it's ridiculous to say that. I say it ridiculous. It's possible, but I mean, I probably wouldn't apply scrum to two people because there's not. Yeah, you get diminishing returns. There's a lot of process involved. For two people who are just working together and bouncing off each other, you know. But it's still you still need somewhere to to list the tasks you've got to do and, and measure that if you're in a business, usually. Mm. So back to Volstrat's um, questions. I suppose mm-hmm. we're looking at the pros and cons, or rather the cons of Scrum, I think. I mean, it, 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 as, as he said, it's, it is a long-winded um, question, and I'm usually very long-winded in my answers as well, so welcome to the club, Volstrat. But should we talk about the... <laughs> Should we, should we try and cover this by talking about the cons of Scrum 
and agile and where it falls down or where it can fall down because i've been i've been i'm an advocate i love it i think it's a really good way to work it's a very honest way to develop software um I- I think it's important to note that there's a couple of different types of drawbacks. Um, For example, um, I haven't had an experience with Scrum really because I do so much solo work. And um, whenever I have spoken with other developers who will be on what we'll call the anti-Scrum wagon, it tends to be more from their view of what they feel Scrum is or they've experienced a poor scrum team organization team. master. Yeah, it could exactly. be a poor scrum master who's not on the ball and who's not advocating it. It could be someone who doesn't take charge of the product owner role who's been designated that role. If you've yeah. got a poor product owner, you've got nobody to answer to. And that's, yeah, that's exactly. quite often a, lot, a, a big problem in a, in a scrum team. So um, one of the things I did in our fantastic show notes, because we're so organized on this topic, look at us, um, was I wrote down some of the fears that I, I've, I've heard people say, like why it is they don't really want to mess with Scrum or why they're hesitant to do anything with Scrum. So the very first thing is, well, how can we implement Scrum if we have legacy processes already in place? Like long drawn out process. How do you make that migration and change? Like, do you need to put development time aside for it? Am I losing resources in order to implement Scrum? Is it really complex? Like that is one of the very key things that I've heard from people who are hesitant to even touch. There is a, there is an overhead to it, but there is also an overhead to running around like a headless chicken without any process in place. There's also an overhead and I'm, and a, major blockers involved in legacy processes like waterfall whereas scrum is more flexible in general because it's this circular you know cyclical process of that constantly feeds into itself on short iterations and that's one of the key differences between that and and waterfall um right yes the overhead is significant at the start but the beauty of scrum is that if as long as you stick to the rough framework, you can alter it and introduce new things as time goes on. You don't have to do it all from day dot. You don't have to go, right, every single day we're having a, a scrum meeting. You could start with that. You could say, right, let's start off and have a scrum meeting every day and get into that process. And this is how I do it with a lot of my clients who come from, say, like a public sector kind of focused background who are very old school, very waterfall driven. People who are, you know, older developers that that maybe aren't used to it and just see it as a fancy bling, you know, fancy word that they don't really understand. I introduce them slowly to the right. ceremonies. So the first sprint you might be doing a daily sprint every day. So a daily scrum every day. A second sprint, um, you might want to introduce I'll the, just say a daily sprint is terrifying yes it is well i wouldn't like to i wouldn't like to be doing the sprint planning and the sprint yeah that's mad <laughs> um, no. and, and then the next sprint you might that's introduce a mad lad thing you might introduce the um the sprint planning meeting because as you do the sprint mm. and you start or you might introduce the board the kanban board the next time you might want to do that from the beginning i don't know because you always have to have a backlog as well to work from in a sprint um, environment but usually yeah. most businesses have some kind of backlog whether it's just a spreadsheet that's full of tasks that are allocated to people or a gantt chart that shows like a project um hierarchy which isn't the same thing but it kind of gives you an idea that there is x amount of work right. to do in y time um but scrum is about or, or one of the things that we do when, when we're grooming a backlog is that we are splitting tasks or splitting user stories or splitting splitting features or epics or whatever we want however we want to um, categorize the work that we've done splitting that down into individual tasks that developers can do or individual tasks or backlog items that an entire team can do how you do that and how you split that out is entirely down to you and the team that you're working with and the, the the skills that are in that team almost determine how that works we're still with this company that I'm working with at the moment, we're still refining that process and we're eight sprints in. We've only just got to a point where I've been able to introduce the concept of things like story points. And we've started to see out of the last three Mm. sprints we've started to see a velocity come out of it and now i can now introduce the next thing i'm going to be doing tomorrow um with them is i'm going to introduce to them what velocity is or how we can use that velocity to make our planning meetings go smoother 
and how we can use that velocity okay, well, to determine how much more work there is left, roughly, you know? Okay. So let's let's take a moment and step back. For people who have never really messed with Scrum and velocity and things like that, after talking earlier during our icebreaker question, the only thing I can think of is you're all getting into race cars and speeding off at the highest possible speed that you can. Now, obviously, that is not the way that this actually works, and that's not how it all works together. But could you take a moment and actually define velocity and what it's used to measure. Right. I wish I had a, a sound bite for this. Oh, but I wouldn't be able to hear it. No, no, I meant like a, just a very quick way of describing velocity. Velocity is, mm -hmm. I, I bet there is, I bet there is a sound bite somewhere for this, but t t velocity is a measure of how much effort or how much work, yeah, no effort, a team can put into a sprint. It is a number that is assigned to a team, a team of individuals, and, and that team doesn't generally change in Scrum. You know, you might introduce a new member every now and again, that means your velocity would generally go up, but it might come down very briefly while you get that new person involved in the in the team. But eventually the velocity will increase. So this velocity is a, a an arbitrary number that is assigned based on the effort that you assign to your tickets. So let me give you an example. We have we have um, three items that are on the backlog that need to be done. Now, a backlog is just a list of items that need to be done. A product backlog yeah, is a list of things yeah. that need to be completed for um, for the software. You know, it, it doesn't have to be complete by the end of it, but your sprint will involve a number of those items. Each of those items will be assigned a value during something called planning poker. Traditionally, we do something called planning poker, which is a separate meeting, which isn't a ceremony. It's just something that we fit in when we can. Um, and we agree between each other. We essentially get uh, the official way, or rather the, the tra say traditionalist, it's, the way to, that I've seen it done is, is widely varied, but quite often you'll have the people involved in the tickets sat around a table and they'll hold a card up and they'll say, that's a four. Someone else will go, that's an eight. Someone else will go, that's a five. That's a 12, you know? And then you'll all negotiate and agree what you actually believe it is because you'll discuss the ticket. You'll talk about what work needs to be done. You'll break that down possibly into tasks, although that's usually done in the planning uh, the planning stage rather than in the poker stage, which is before that. Um, and at that point, you get this number. And this number is important not to be based on time. It's meant to be based on relative effort. And that's the key thing that needs to, mm. that, that a lot of developers struggle with because they're like, it's just a number. What am I? So it, we, really what it works out with is, say, for example, you have three tickets in a sprint and each of those tickets just randomly out of the air are all assigned 20. They're not random. They are relative. So they're assigned a value of 20. You right. get two of those tickets done in the sprint. Your velocity for that sprint is 40. Simple as that. The next sprint, you can take that 40 and you can go, right, we did 40 last time. Let's have a look at the planning poker, you know, the, the things that we've assigned during planning poker. There's a 3, there's a 5, there's an 8, and there's a 12. Roughly, that adds up to around about 40. Probably, I'd, I'd, randomly, <laughs> I don't know if that actually is right. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, and we'll, So we'll drag all of those tickets in immediately, and then we'll start talking about them and discussing them and allocating tasks to them. That usually means that we can very quickly say we can do one, two, three, four, and five, but we can't do six and seven because we haven't got time for it. But it's up to the product owner to prioritize which one of those tasks are mo the most important. If you assign 100 to one of the tickets, you know that that's probably going to go over two sprints. So that right. allows you to plan. That allows you to look at the number, and even though you've just it's the kind of almost picked out of the air, that's what development is, and that's why I see Scrum as the most honest way of doing development because there's no way in hell any project that has ever, on the face of the planet, that's been completed by human beings, been on time and delivered exactly what they thought they were going to deliver two years ago or whenever they started the project. Mm. There's no software project that's, ever that has done that. There's, there's no project in general. Mm. Period. Like, it makes a difference whether you're talking housing, lawn development, or, you know, anything else. It, it just doesn't. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me because I think 
hearing the way you're describing it, uh, when you're like, I know that you have the story points and I know that it is an arbitrary number. And the funny thing is my brain literally went, it's DKP. It doesn't matter if uh, something, it, it, the number, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if something, are you familiar with DKP? No, no, what's DKP? I mean, no, I don't. Oh, it, it's, it's because we were talking about MMOs earlier. DKP is drag and kill points, which is basically a way of <laughs> tracking which items you can get and making certain everyone has a fair share of loot that drops, etc. Okay. But when you set up a system for the team that's working together to ensure that people have a fair crack at it, um, so they can purchase or buy in in this particular case to kind of use some programming terminology or uh, whatever <laughs> they would, um, whoever is running DKP assigns an arbitrary number right. and it doesn't make a difference. Some groups I know would use 250 for a piece of armor. Others would use 25. Mm -hmm. It really makes no difference as long as everyone kind of understands the volume and the scale behind the yeah, numbers. Yes, so it's the scale pay. and the relative numbers that are assigned to right. the value. It's, so you, exactly. you agree that the most the best piece of armor that you can get, the best piece of chest mm -hmm. armor that you can get from this dungeon is a 200. So right. you use that number as a relative kind of measure for the rest of the armor that drops or whatever. You're right, okay. It's, it's exactly it's, the same. It's, it's sort of like that. And But that, that, that was what my mind did a jump to because I think... One of the things, especially in development, and it, it happens with a lot of the people that we talk to, to try to get on the show. Please, people, come be guests. We like talking to you. Um, but a lot of people seem to have this fear of getting it wrong or getting something wrong. But one of the things I'm I'm realizing when it comes to Scrum is that it is, it's exactly what it's designed to be, not just agile, but flexible, which is basically a synonym into itself. Yes, there is a framework, but you do have the ability to, you know, hell, you could not use typical story points. You could use acorns. I don't care. You Whatever could use it is. People use t-shirt sizes. Yes, they do. Them. I was going to say XL, L, yep. S, M. I have seen that one. It's somewhat there's all kinds of things but sometimes i mean i have seen it once i don't think it works very well because it's not relative and you say that when you was it you something about colors you see colors or you hear or you smell colors. somebody i've spoke to says something like weird about colors that they have they can assign a value to it and anesthesia yeah something like that. it's uh, someone i know said that i'm not sure if it was yourself or or someone else. No. But, um, anyway, so uh, some people have used colours to assign values to tickets uh, and said that, you know, but the problem with colours is that they aren't relative to each other. You have yeah. to then agree that black is the best and green is the worst, you know, or whatever. It doesn't... Yeah. It's, you know, it's not... It, it has to be written down somewhere, whereas if you look, if you use something like the Fibonacci scale or a Fibonacci-like scale, or you use T-shirt sizes, or you use milliliters—I don't know, whatever—I'm just thinking of numbers. If it's it, hearts. you can it's you can assign a scale to it. Yeah, yeah well, I suppose hearts. But the, the, yeah. <laughs> well, see, I mean, that, that, that's—I think, it, it, like I was saying before, you know, going back to the the sort of cons and stuff like that. One of the big things is that there is a big fear of people just getting it wrong. Or you covered the legacy processes, which I wanted to make certain. And that's hysterical. Voltrack just basically pointed out that colors do go in hex, which is so true. I like um, that. I'm going to put but, that up on, on the chat. So yeah, colors go from You know what? Z. That needs to be a t-shirt, Chris. That's good. I like that. There, there you go. I can't um, say it out loud, and, though, for the for the podcast listeners, because I don't really know how to say that. Um, colors go from 0x0000 to 0xffffff. So I like that. I think that's brilliant. You range, missed an F, but yeah, it is. It's hex. Yeah. Hex anyway. math is amazing. Base sixteen, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, going back to some of the other fears that I've had developers tell me, you're not necessarily fears, but their hesitancy, the things that um, stop them, which can be considered a drawback. Which is going back to Volstrat's question. Mm -hmm. um, keeping the meetings focused. Now, I find it interesting because you've already covered that. I mean, you've made mention of the fact that, at least right now, you know, you recognize that at least the daily scrum is going a little bit overboard and everyone's going to be pulled back. And it's sort of the scrum master's job to kind of make certain that 
you recognize that there are issues and then work to overcome them so that you can keep following the framework. Yes. I mean, again, there's flexibility in that. If you feel that you are getting value out of a 30-minute scrum meeting every day, go for it. But the problem is, is you have to think about more than just you and what you're talking. Because quite often in a scrum, I'll say, uh, Jeff, um, I use Jeff and Sarah a lot. I don't work with anyone called Jeff and Sarah. It's just the first names that come to my head. Um, I use Alice, Bob, et cetera, from the security world. So it's all good. Go well, ahead. Weirdly, um, we've just, um, that's uh, that's interesting because we've got a, an identity server, a Microsoft identity server logon, and Alice and Bob are the two default logins. So it must be a... Uh, must it's be part a of the security world. That. That's interesting. I didn't know that. That's my BYOM for this week. I didn't know that that, that was, came from the security <laughs> world. I thought it was just one of the developers who randomly put those two names in. Anyway, uh, focused meeting. So if you, if you feel like you're getting value out of a 30-minute meeting and you're not wasting other developers' time, so say, for example, I'm talking to Jeff and I talk to Jeff for a few seconds and go, right, so Jeff, you're blocking me. I need this from you for this. And he, and he goes, right, well, that's because of this, this, and this. And I go back to him and then he comes back to me. And then, nobody else cares about that conversation. That conversation, you have to identify that that conversation needs to be taken offline in the scrum, in the stand-up, you know, the daily scrum. When it comes to things like the planning meeting, you can be a bit more flexible because everyone should be involved, but generally not everybody is involved, you know. So you'll have this four-hour meeting every two weeks that's about planning the work. But the key thing that you need to keep in mind is that it scrum prescribes these ceremonies as time-boxed ceremonies. So as long as you stick to the time box that you agree, you can change the time box. As long as you stick to that time box, you're okay, generally. Mm. If you get it done before that, thumbs up, great. You've got extra time to get on with your work. Um, If you get it done, I mean, there was a few weeks ago where we had three days of sprint planning. And then that retrospective, I basically brought it up and said, we can't do this. Why did we, you know, why did we spend three days planning the the two-week sprint? And it was because we didn't put anywhere near enough effort into the backlog during the sprint. Nobody fed into the backlog at all. Nobody mm. logged their tickets during it. The product owner is all, was also not doing their job at all. However, I've, although I, and this is something that should not generally happen in a scrum in a scrum environment, the product owner at the moment is very reluctant to take on that role because they've also got work to do and other architectural kind of pieces of work and business pieces of work that doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. that means they don't have time for it and they're not willing to accept the fact that they have to manage the backlog i.e they need to know what's in the backlog and they have to prioritize the tasks in it however we've got to a nice happy medium where we all feed into the backlog and during the planning meeting we all kind of act as product owners and we negotiate quite well. Each we don't bat, we don't really bat, bat heads against each other. We really have worked it out fairly well, um, and we we prioritise the work that needs to be done in the different areas. And we try and cross over, but there is unfortunately there are some silos, which is not ideal in Scrum, but it is what it is, and it's still much better than yeah. what they had previously, if you know what I mean. But I am very right, slowly, which is something we discussed in the previous episode too. Yeah, I'm very slowly introducing that cross functional. Like team concept to the to the team and getting people to realise that right. So Jeff has still got three tickets left. Sarah, you don't have any tickets left. So can you do some of Jeff's work? I don't know anything about that. Okay, well, can you maybe spend the next day or two or three learning about it? Because we've agreed the goal. Mm. We've agreed what to do. I know you've got other things to do, but in order to get to this goal as a team, we are responsible for delivering what we've agreed to deliver to the product owner and by proxy the business. So can you, Sarah, have a look at these tickets, see what you can do, and if you can't do anything, at least you can feed stuff back to other people and do a spike or figure something out, you know? And it's, it is about that mindset change of, of instead of going, I'm the back-end guy, I'm the database guy, I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm working well, on the front end. It's, it's, it doesn't help. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, the, it goes back to the whole thing that you and I try to push on this show. Share knowledge. Yes. End of story. And you can only share knowledge if you have time. I mean, one of the biggest things that I or one of the biggest complaints that I hear from a lot of people who are in the dev world, myself included, but I'm actually swamped as well with work, is finding the time to learn new things. You know, 
our world changes. The more it changes, the more it stays the same. We have to constantly be on the ball, which means being, take like for example, in that particular scenario, say it's database oriented, take a little bit of time and learn, see what you can figure out. And it is so rare, so rare to find time when you are working to do that. So if I were Sarah in that situation, I would have been like, yes, you know, I actually have time. I have finished the other stuff. I have something new I can learn. This is just going to do nothing but help literally add velocity. And if it doesn't, you've learned something that you can bring up in the retrospective and you can say that didn't work, did it? When we gave Sarah that ticket. So let's think about how we can either improve that process or maybe we move back to the silo and we give Sarah more work in the next sprint instead of less work. So there's lots of or ways that even, you can you can be flexible. That's the yeah. flexibility that it gives you. You know, it's not it's not about being necessarily flexible with the the whole framework. It's about being flexible as a team and moving between tasks as you need to and, and agreeing that we have agreed to deliver this feature or this functionality in the software. And it doesn't have to be con- continuously delivered software either, because a lot of people associate Scrum right. with continuously delivering software. I disagree with that. I think, yes, it works well in that situation, but I don't think it's necessary. I think you can quite easily do Scrum without it, uh, with with traditional kind of I'm trying to cycles. Well, see, that's the thing. I, I, I'm trying to think of anything that is, we'll say, fixed-ended, in the development world nowadays? Extended. That sounds like yeah, a like, mantle. But <laughs> well, what I mean is, you, like, anything that I can think of that has some type of development to it has some kind of update cycle to it. Hmm. You know, so I can't... I've got to use that quote again, that that, that quote that I always use for um, the paraphrase, the uh, Leonardo da Vinci paraphrases software is never finished only abandoned it is so appropriate since i learned that art uh, quote about art it's perfect because it it never ever you never you you are always updating it you're always i mean our website you know there's so many things to do on it ridiculous amount of things to do and it's never going to be finished and the thing is it's it's it never will but i think that's one of the draws that i have personally to the whole concept of the stuff that you and I do. I mean, I can see, I think that's probably why it's so important to have things like milestones so people can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Otherwise, they're constantly digging that tunnel and that can feel very suffocating. Even in an agile environment where you're doing, you know, these almost, we'll say, dopamine hits every two weeks where you're like, hey, look at what we accomplished. Um, Even if it's, you know, we may not have hit the target that we thought, but hey, you know, we now know where we can go with this and let's try this this week and see what happens. And And also, like, there's... The retrospective is not just talking about what you haven't done right. It's about talking about what you have done right and celebrating that as well. And it sounds a bit daft. You know, it sounds a bit like, oh, I don't need that in my job. But it's nice to have that. It's lovely to see all the tickets on the right-hand side of the board by the end of the sprint. It's brilliant to see that. I love clicking the complete button because it gives me a sense of satisfaction that we, as a team, not just me, have completed the tasks that we said we were going to complete. And that comes back to the definition of done as well, which exactly. is another thing we haven't even really touched upon. Oh, oh, we yeah. Got time, and so. Voltrack also said, Miles, I know. Well, this is just a topic I think that's going to have to lead into the next week. Maybe. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's worth it because there is so much to be learned about this particular topic. And I'm really curious about it because I don't need to use it I, solo here. Like, Like I said, I jokingly said the voices in my head. I don't need that extra overhead for the stuff that I do, but I can see the benefit of it. Thus, I want to know more about it. And I'm going to use this time to learn it from you. But Volstrak said milestones are so helpful. Even if there's no end in sight, you at least have a metric to measure progress. And I think that's the important part. And the thing is, I see sprints as kind of being mini milestones. They're absolutely mini milestones because you have a goal. But you're trying... Yeah, you have, well, God, there's nothing worse than trying to do development without a goal. Let's, let's not do that ever. Because you get scope creep. Oh, yes, and you do. And that's why when I work on the DNI website, mm. 
on my side project, so I work and I create tickets in GitHub and I create mm. various bits of bubbles and I work towards that ticket first and then move on to the next one. Sometimes they'll cross over, yeah, and sometimes we'll have to work on two at the same time. But if you don't focus on one task at a time, and this applies to the granular, minuscule things we do on a day-to-day basis as developers, as well as the bigger feature tickets, you know, that you usually work with lots of other people on, there's there's no chance of you getting any kind of satisfaction from your job if you're never completing the job that you've done. And again, definition no. of done is really important there, but... And it's really difficult to, to define that as well for some teams. And I'm still, that's one of the things I'm still working on with this team is, is getting them to agree what done means. Well, the, the, see, that to me is it's such an important part because that's when you can take that deep breath and get that dopamine hit. You know, it's that, right, okay, now that particular you know, ball has been pushed up the mountain. Now we can let it roll down the hill and celebrate it as it runs into a siege weapon or something. I don't know. I just happened to look at the time. We are pretty much coming to the end of our show. So, Chris, are you good with continuing this next week? Why not? Because we still have good things. And I still really want to tackle Votrat's question of, is there ever a time where agile is not a good answer? I, I think, I mean, we know the answer to that because there's a good thing for everything, isn't there? Mm. There's a good time for everything and a bad time for everything. And, and of course, you know. But, well, can you think of something right off the top of your head where you don't think agile would work? And I don't mean just one person being involved. I think, can you think ma- managing my marriage, for example, I don't think agile would work. <laughs> manage, managing. Although you could apply a lot of the principles to any. Uh, <laughs> any print, you know, I any. Could, I could so. Uh, Being married to me wife. is a wonderful experience. I think you'll find, by the way. <laughs> that, right. So, it, it, I, off yeah. the top of my head, I can't think immediately off the top of my head something that it doesn't work. But if it's the thing is, if you're applying Scrum to something and it's not working and the team's not buying into it and the product owner doesn't care and the Scrum master's not very good at keeping people, then just sack it off. Because if you're, if you're starting off on that foot and you haven't got people invested into the process, the development team can almost be kind of lulled or, you know, like coaxed into it. But if the Scrum Master isn't paying, you know, any attention to what the, the team's doing and isn't trying to keep people, at least trying to keep them on track in a in a lead, you know, in, in that um, um, servant leader way, if they're coming in and yeah. cracking the whip, then that's, I mean, it's probably a bad they should they shouldn't really be a scrum master <clears throat> um but if the product owner isn't doing their job properly and you can't come to an agreement as to who owns the backlog it's it's a write off then it's a bad I'm idea I'm sorry I just I just <clears throat> have this picture of like an office door being kicked in and someone walking in and going bow before me I am the scrum master yes You'd be surprised that it does happen, that kind of thing. Are you I'm, serious? Maybe not oh, kicking a door in, but honestly, there are some people who, who see that master title and they think that they're the... Be- they're Is the it one- the guru thing? <sighs> yes, in a way. It's like... <clears throat> The, the 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 difference is a scrum a good scrum master is somebody who I said that word a few times this this episode it, it, they enable people and they they learn, they lead by example they lead by but it's yeah. the same with any good leader really they don't go in and crack the whip they don't sometimes it's good needed to do that do that as well it doesn't even need to be a scrum master well yeah but I mean the problem the, the difference between a manager and a scrum master is quite vast a manager is more. A people manager, whereas a scrum manager is managing the process um, and ensuring right. that yes, people are involved. Excuse me, but but the people are um, the people are essentially supposed to manage themselves. You know, there's no such thing as a project mm. manager in Scrum, which we mentioned last time. It doesn't really exist that role, and sometimes project managers are required or even kind of satellites of, but they generally are involved with things like cost management and um, customer relationship management and that kind of thing <clears throat> in a Scrum process. All those at least. red, black belts. Mm, yeah, poor but, project managers. The, the, and project, a lot of uh, old school project managers don't like Scrum because of it. Anyway, right, so we, we are mm. definitely at the end of the show now. We are, yes, we're <laughs> definitely at the end of our show. We are now at the BYOM. This is the Bring Your Own Manual. This is the part of the show where we 
share something that we have learned this week. Uh, we sometimes have it be very much so about, say, something we're doing programming or project-wise, or it could just be something kind of cool that we learned in life in general, and we go to share it. Chris, what have you learned this week? Is it Alice and Bob? Well, that's, that is actually a, a good one because I, I didn't, and I just learned that just today, in fact, didn't I? Just during the last hour. Um, that's a great one, but mine's a little bit more serious today. I, uh, um, I learned mm-hmm. last week that it is possible to absolutely uh, and unequivocally fall in love with an arsehole because I lost um, a very dear friend last week. I lost one of our, our cats, and he was the biggest... He was he was horrible, right? He was a horrible cat. He he pooed everywhere. He cost us an absolute arm and a leg in in vet fees. He meowed constantly every night and every every day. All this, but I missed the hell out of him, you know. And big meow, yeah, big meow. God, I'm going to dedicate this episode to big meow. I know he couldn't care less, and he wouldn't have cared less. But he, you know, he was he was a lovely animal, and I miss the hell out of him. I miss him being next to us. I miss him wanting to go outside all the time and everything. And, and it's possible to. I learned that it's possible to to love something you didn't think you loved that much. If you know what I mean, and uh, I miss him so. Anyway, I'll leave yeah, that there. <laughs> I, I my heart goes out to I, my heart goes out to you when Java passed. Um, the hardest part for me was the weeks after I forgot to eat lunch because he was literally my lunch reminder. Mm. He'd sit right here next to my desk and his paw and his claws would rake across the back of my arm. And I got so used to him interrupting me in the middle of the day that I remembered to eat because that was his feed me lunch woman kind of a thing. So when that was gone, it literally felt like the, like, the strangest vacuum and i'm still looking to fill it (laughs) we do we do little things like um i mean we've got two other cats and they're you know the lovely they're actually really lovely cats and we've got lots of guinea pigs and you know we we love animals in this house it's a very animal driven house um but yeah big meow he was a kind of stray that came to us and we took him in and he, he just was a bit of a an old man and he was kind of waiting to die you know he was an old knackered cat and but i loved him in a way but I was always like, oh, God, just get, can, we, can we just put him back out? You know, he was just so annoying all the time. But I, I miss the hell out of him, and I miss Aww. I miss everything about him. I miss I miss, I miss, miss his really annoying, loud meow. It's really loud. Let's call it why he's called Big Meow, because he had the loudest meow I've ever heard in a cat ever. And it was heartbreaking having to see him go, you know. And But it is where it is, and, and I don't want to end it on a downer, but that's Mike the only thing I can hearts. think of. Thank you it very makes much, sense, Mike. hearts. Yes. Anyway, so um, Josie, what's your BY? Not so. <clears throat> down. Mine's not sorry. so personal. <laughs> <laughs> mine's not so personal in the respect. Um, I have been digging into um, uh, support management. Okay. These basic past couple of months, and um, I have discovered. Uh, that's one thing. That's the thing that triggered this particular BYOM. Um, but I tend to do a lot of beta testing for SASs for that are just starting to get ahead and things like that. I will uh, sit and do everything from UX tests to, you know, betting whatever their latest features are for whatever product they're offering. And um, one of the latest ones that I did, they asked a question and it dawned on me um, just how challenging it is for those of us who are in the IT industry in general to come up with consistency when it comes to terms. So this particular company had a specific definition for services that was completely different than anything else that I had seen, but it fit what they had set up. And I've basically learned that any SaaS that you use, you have to modify your approach and your team to understand the terms that they use, be it services, resources, connections, integrations, pages, they can all mean something different. Even if the same, the tools sort of offer the same things, you know, like, you know, a logging platform or something along those lines, they may have just what they believe to be the right term for the right function. And it vastly varies across SASs. So when you have somebody who's new coming into a team and they're trying to learn something and they're like, 
So you, they overhear someone go, hey, you know, we're going to use this integration. They're like, cool, you guys use integrations with that. What is it you're doing? And they have a completely defi- different definition for integration than someone else does. It just, eh. So my brain has basically exploded with me going, I thought acronyms were a problem. Mm. No! Naming in general is a problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm... Uh- I, I, I declare naming anything in the IT world is crap. I mean, so far... My favorite thing that has been named in IT is Twain. Twain. Oh, what? What? It's daft, isn't it? What does it stand for again? It is an acronym for technology without an interesting name. That's it. Yeah, I like that. That is literally what Twain of, stands for. One of my um, sprint backlog items last sprint was because I've re-architected and kind of restructured uh, a monolithic program into lots of little assemblies and things like that lots of different classes i've actually structured it into very distinct layers as well so i've rewritten pretty much the whole thing i've, I've kept the kind of fundamental code the same but the actual structuring is a lot of work to do but i've, I've done this uh, quite a task quite proud of it as i usually am with most of my work um but as i've went along i've just kind of come up with names that i thought were appropriate um, and sometimes I'd occasionally get a name off somebody else who's got a bit more context about the software, you know, the the, the part mm-hmm. that we're working on. Um, and I'd named um, the. I was working on. Even it says this in my contract. Um, I was working on a services layer, so I called the things that I was working on. Guess what? Services. Services. Right. Nobody liked the name services. Right. Nobody, everyone was confused about it because there were services here and previously services were web services and now these services aren't web services because there's no distinct transport <laughs> layer abstraction between them. And I'm like, right, okay, right. What do you want to call it? And we've come up with API, which is, again, fine. Doesn't make much difference to me. It's just a name. So I had to go through and rename hundreds of classes and interfaces and all of the um, all of the assembly names, et cetera, because everything was focused around services. And I've done all of that. And then there's something else as well that I need to rename. And then there's also, I haven't even started looking at like the client side stuff because all of that is really oddly named at the moment and it's not that clear. So that's going to be a task that, and not for me probably, but for somebody else, but I'll probably end up doing it because I've got the tools to do it. I use this tool um, from JetBrains called ReSharper, which is a wonderful tool. You love ReSharper. Absolutely. It saves my life. And I constantly at the moment when I'm, screen sharing and showing people code a lot of them are going what, what did you just do there and i went oh it's uh, resharper you you know you don't have this feature uh, oh it's resharper what, what's that test runner that you're using that's resharper what's that what, how did you just see that it's resharper <laughs> it's like it so, if you know my anyone life. from JetBrains resharper who wants to say sponsor you know oh yeah. i don't know a podcast for developers Please get in touch. Oh, we should speak but to we Phil, now, yeah, who we've had on before. We He's, should uh, totally speak to <laughs> Phil. Yeah, it's been a little while. But we're at the end of our show now. Thank you to all of you in Twitch chat. You guys are amazing. Big hearts, or, you know, depending upon which country you're in, they have different styles of hearts. Right. It's actually a heart. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yep. So, um, <laughs> I know I'm a yeah. bit slow normally with the modern, you know, term, but I get that. I'm older than you, Chris. You got. So it's anything to do with age? Just disconnected from it all. I'm. You're lucky. I'm on a podcast. For God's sake, you know I don't. don't Gosh darn technology, peoples with your bits and your bats. Wow, I sounded so southern there. But anyway, thank you guys so much for your questions, your comments, and everything else within the chat. Indeed, and you can follow us and follow our website on www. Follow our website. I'm, I'm, what's wrong with me? Follow, tweet, tweet our email at. Right, you can visit our website at www.dnistream.live. You can get links to all our social media platforms and all our podcast channels, etc. Um, you can use it to contact us for any reason. If you've got any feedback, you want to be a guest, you've got any um, any corrections you want to send to us. Mm-hmm. Nobody's nobody sent us an email for ages, so just drop us one, please. Make sure it's working still. Let, let us let us know. We haven't yes, even had any spam because the spam protection's so good on the website. <laughs> and don't forget to follow yeah. our Twitch channel, of course, if you haven't already. Yes. And we hope to see you all next week, Thursday, 7 p.m. GMT, where we will do more Scrum 
we'll come up with some other fun punny name or something. But yes, we will see you at twitch.tv slash DNI stream. All that is left is to say goodbye. So ye who is godly, Chris. Bye. Bye. Bye everybody. And to everyone. Bye-bye.